and welcome to the Guernsey Press football podcast brought to you in association with FNB Channel Islands. As the name suggests, this is a show all about island football, which will be dropping into your podcast feed each Monday for the rest of the season alongside our Thursday shows. After an eight-week break, the FNB Prio League title race is primed to burst back into life with three sides in contention at the top. We'll preview the return of domestic football and pick out our players to watch over the next few weeks. And almost two years on from the last Marathi Vars final, we'll reflect on where we are with interinsular football, just when will we see the Channel Islands' biggest games played again. I'm Tony Kerr. With me today, I've got Guernsey Press sports editor Rob Batiste. Hello. And I'm delighted to say we've got Guernsey Island men's manager Chris Tardiff here too. Great to have you here, Chris. How have the last few uh, weeks of lockdown been for you? Strangely busy and actually quite good. It's been, it's been nice to sort of step back from the madness of normal life and appreciate what the island has to give and what you can actually get from the island and what, what it's nice to actually spend some time with your family again. Um, actually, normal life is good to be back into. I love a routine as well, but it's now trying to find a nice little balance between the two sort of regimes. And straight back to the hairdressers this morning, looking sharp. Well, especially for you. <laughs> like to look good for the radio. Well, there's only one place to start today, though, and that is with the news that Alex Scott has been called up to the England under-18 squad for the first time. Uh, the former St Martins and Guernsey FC midfielder uh, will head to the home of English football, St George's Park, in a few days as the Young Lions prepare to take on Wales in Cardiff on the 29th of March. Uh, an incredible moment, of course, for Alex and for Guernsey football. Chris, what was your reaction to this news? Uh, I think it's fantastic. Um, hats off to Alex. Uh, what an achievement for him. Um, I appreciate how tough that is for him. Um, what a journey he's been on already to get to this point. And I, I just wish him every success for the future. He's obviously got a, a very strong head on his shoulders. Uh, he's got a great family network around him that obviously understand football, understand the game and will help him and support him through that. And I, I honestly am really proud to be a Guernsey man to see Alex doing so well, to see uh, Maya doing so well for her as well. And it's, it's great to see that such a small island can still produce such great players. And the, the future's bright for him, absolutely. And I wish him every success going forward. And you mentioned the journey that he's been on. Obviously, you had your own professional journey. Um, how impressed are you with the way he's handled that, and particularly to go away at the start of last year and, and, and come through a pandemic? I mean, it, you know, it's, it's already a difficult transition to make, but let alone with that backdrop. Look, it's very tough. Coming from Guernsey, you're so, as I sort of said about lockdown before, you're, you're so isolated. It's, it's so easy to live here and it's so comfortable. And that, for me, is probably the biggest step um, there's so many. There's been so many good footballers in Guernsey, um, which far outweighs the sort of the size of our island. But that's the hardest bit. That transition to to go to a training ground every day to see another 50 people that actually want to take your place or as good as you or potentially as good as you, and you have to fight for your position, not just to be in the team, but to be in football in general. And for for someone of his age to have done it and done it the way he's he has a fair play to him brilliant and Rob you've obviously seen a, a lot of local football over the years just put it into context for us though how significant is it for the island to have a player be selected for an England under 18 squad very significant of course because um, there's been a strong feeling for quite a while now that 
the days of Guernsey producing professional footballers at the top end were long gone. Um, obviously, um, the way English football set up um, changed at academy level a few years back where they robbed kids at a ridiculously um, early age. And that sort of precluded, the thought was that, that probably preclude Guernsey boys from actually making it. Um, but fair play to Alex, he sort of um, bucked that trend and um, obviously caught the eye. Um, when I, I haven't seen him too much, to be honest, um, in the last couple of years before he got into the GFC side. And he was clearly a talented player. But when you saw him play in, like, say, the schoolboy Marathi, or was it the under-16s a couple of years ago? Um, he was obviously talented, but was he head and shoulders above other players? I can seem to remember going back a long while, seeing Chris Jones play in the schoolboy Marathi, for example, and quite clearly he was head and shoulders and a lot more above everybody else on that pitch and within days was signed on for Spurs. Scott, good player, good player, but obviously Bristol City saw something which I didn't and perhaps others didn't either, so... Very exciting. I know you've been speaking to his dad. Um, do, are we expecting to see him get on the pitch in that, that match against Wales? Well, his father seems to be quite um, confident he'll get some sort of time on the pitch. But you see there's a squad of 24 players. Um, it's still a big ask. Um, he's, you, know, the, you look at that squad, there's representation from all the major clubs. Chelsea's, Manchester United's, Manchester City's, etc., etc. Um, one of the forward players is a lad Shortire from Man United who already played in their first team. So that's sort of that's what he's up against. Incredible stuff, uh, Chris. I'm sure you would have loved to be able to call on Alex uh, in a Guernsey shirt, you know, before he was whisked off to this kind of um, uh, setup. Was he someone you were keeping tabs on even as a 16 year old? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I watched him play quite a few times for GFC and. Uh, I, I respect Kevin Gilligan uh, immensely as well in terms of his judgment of players and characters. And, and for for me, Kevin, the way Kevin spoke about him and going to watch him, you could just see there's there was little moments within his game that really stood out. And I think if you've been in and around football, and especially sort of at a high level, you you see those little things um, a lot clearer. And it was so obvious that it was a natural uh, ability for him. And um, his work ethic will get him uh, up as far as he wants to go. It was quite clear to see that he had a hunger and a desire to be a professional footballer. And that, that, that's a big thing. There's a lot of talent, but you have to be talented, but you also have to be almost selfish in a way to, to want to really get somewhere for yourself in a professional career. And it's tough. It is really tough. And he's, he's going to have moments within his career that come really easy he's going to have some really tough moments within his career but having a grounding and having the right people around him I honestly think he'll do extremely well for himself and Rob mentioned um, you know and, and something that Tony Vance told me last week as well that, that he didn't think those days of, of players in Guernsey you know who weren't you know um, whisked off to academy at a very young age that that the, the days of Guernsey producing players to reach this level were probably behind us that, that Matt Letissier you know it's sort of fading into the, the, the memory a bit, isn't it? Um, yes. Does, does, this move the, does this move the needle a bit, though, in terms of expectations or, or the kind of hopes and dreams that young players might have here? I, I think it opens it back up to people to understand that if you're really hungry for something and you really want to prove something to yourself and prove something to other people and, and you have a desire 
um, to go to the next level, you can. You honestly can. And um, the world is becoming a smaller place in terms of what people can see on social media, what people come and watch, and the travelling and the GFC going away. There's, there's big opportunities for any player over here. Um, and if they really want to push themselves and make it, you will. Well, I'm sure we're going to be talking much more about Alex Scott over the coming uh, weeks, months and years. We wish him all the best for his first England camp. And uh, yeah, can't wait to watch uh, the game and see how he gets on. Uh, now, though, we're going to be looking at domestic matters and a three-way Premier League title race. Now, it is an exciting week, isn't it? Well, an exciting day. Normality has returned to Guernsey uh, and football is back too. Things kick off again with the semi-finals of the Jeremy Cup. St Martins face Sylvans in the first of them on Tuesday night at Northfield uh, before North take on Rovers on Wednesday at Blanche Pierre Lane. Three of those sides, Saints, Sylvans and Rovers, will have their eyes firmly on the Prio title race too. And there's a big game to look forward to straight away in the league with Rovers facing Sylvans at Portsmouth on Saturday. Uh, we'll take a, a look at all three sides in a moment and hear from their coaches. Uh, first though, Rob, just set the scene for us. Uh, how does it look at the top of the table? Well, Rovers have got a, a decent lead of six points ahead of Sylvans with one more game played. But lurking back in third place are Saints, who've got four games in hand on Rovers and are nine points behind at the at the moment. Um, who would win it? I'm slightly edging towards Rovers, only because of the fact they've got more greater goal power um, and more options, attacking options in their side. Um, Saints, very, very hard to beat. But they need to start scoring a few more goals. Um, you know, you look at their top goal scorer is Dom Hume with six, um, which is well, well, well behind the Sam Murrays, the Carl Smiths, Carlos Canyas of this world. Um, Saints have got to find a few more goals from somewhere, but I wouldn't rule it out. They're, they're, they're going to be very hard to beat. And Chris, of course, we haven't seen uh, any football for a few weeks now. Going back to, to when the season was in full swing, what have you made of the competition so far? I think it's great. Um, it's really brought um, local football back to life again in terms of the competitiveness. Um, it's great to see a complete mix of sort of the older player and the younger players coming through. You've got, you've got a new generation coming through into Prio football. Uh, and it makes it a really exciting last couple of months of the season. And I can't wait. I'm I've pretty much told my wife she won't see me for two months now. <laughs> There's so many games coming up. But um, I'm really looking forward to it as a neutral um, and to see some great talent out there. And w where do you assess the, the, the level of, of the competition so far in terms of quality and competitiveness? Is it as, as, as good as it's been in recent years? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's difficult when you've been in it and then you step away. You, you never quite can judge in terms of when you were playing, if it's the same standard or, or lower. But... Um, there's been some really good football played and, and, I, and I like those different styles of football being played from different coaches and it's clear to see coaches have actually had time with players and their team and are working to a way they want to play. Uh, for example, look at Sylvans. I think they play some really good football and, and you can see Diggers had that time on the training ground and they're really, the players are obviously really responsive to him. Well, let's have a look at the uh, three at the top then in a bit more detail, starting with St. Martins. Uh, as you say, Rob, they sit third, nine points behind the leaders, Rovers, but with four games in hand. Uh, here's what their head coach, Leon Meakin, told Guernsey Press Sport. We're still in everything. Uh, we're still in all the cup competitions. And I think we perform better as a group when we're playing week in, week out. And 
between now and the end of June maybe or middle of June we're going to have games coming at us thick and fast and I think this group will really um, react well to that. We're going to go into every game you know with the mentality that we want to win that that single game um, you know I'm probably not the only coach in Ireland that would back their team to beat any team on their day um, you know I'm sure you'll hear the same from Kevin and, and Digger as well so um, we will approach every game trying to win it and we'll see where that takes us. Yeah, Leon Meekin relishing the challenge then. It is going to be a busy end to the season for them if they're going to overhaul that deficit and, and you know make the most of those games in hand. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be a, a serious effort. Can they do it, Rob? They can do it, um, but they've got a big 10 days ahead of them, obviously starting with um, the game with Jeremy tomorrow night. Um, but this weekend they're at Port, um, they're playing North and that won't be easy. Um, North have not been at their best this season, but they still remain a very, very decent side. And if they've got a few players back, people like Scott Bogor to bolster their midfield and um, help the likes of um, Sam Murray and um, Joe Alvarez in the forward line, I think there's a, there's a potential of a shock there. Um, as I say, Saints don't score a lot of goals. So if North can get a goal up, for example... Um, they'll take some beating and then of course they're away at um, Rovers the following weekend that could go either way they've had some tight meeting um, tight games already with them they beat um, they beat some, um, Rovers at St Martin's early season quite fortunately actually I thought Rovers played really well that evening and deserved something and last time they met to Portsmouth it ended up with a 3-2 win for Rovers which was somewhat lucky to be honest that could have game could have gone either way, and in fact, Saints were didn't know how they lost it really. But um, so Saints are fully capable of, of of winning it, but they've got to start start scoring goals. Quite a lot was made ahead of the season, you know, given the fact that Guernsey FC haven't been in action this year. Um, of the players kind of moving back into Prio football, Jamie Dodd um, has obviously played his part at Saints this year. How well do you think they've managed that? Um, transition but but that that kind of you know extra impetus of of, of island talent and, and how do you rate that that this st martin cyprus um i i think the guys coming back in have um increased almost that professionalism of the squad and the older heads will um allow sort of the younger people coming in or or the less experienced players coming in just that little bit of calmness when they need it and that's why i think you definitely can't write off Saints at the moment because they have that experience, they have that knowledge of how to sort of get over the finishing line, if you like. And it does mean a lot at this time of the season. Um, but sprinkled in with some really good young talent as well. Um, OK, some of the older Saints guys won't quite have the legs that they used to have, but they don't need it. What, what they make up for with a lack of pace or, or, or lack of fitness is that experience and that knowledge, and they can read a game extremely well. So, yeah, like Rob says, that okay, they, they may not put two, three, four goals in every game, but they're well-drilled, they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, and if an individual comes in, they know exactly what they have to do within that position. And uh, they will be a force to be reckoned with. I, I agree that professionalism really holds them instead, really. I think um, it's a big plus point in their favour and I think if they come through the next two weekends against um, North and Rovers and get maximum points well they firmly decide to beat them. Well that's St Martins and let's move on to Sylvans now they're six points behind Rovers as we say with one game in hand still very much outsiders though according to Martin Deguri. 
I still consider ourselves outsiders. I really do. Um, you know, St Martins are just waiting to pounce. You know, they're a good side, good experienced side, some really good players. Rovers have got some really good players. They're hard teams to, to beat, you know, and um, we've had some really good games against them. You know, um, you know, obviously we've had a bit of luck in them. We need, we need to carry that on. But yeah, it's, it's just amazing being up there. Outsiders maybe, uh, but Sylvans will surely have a massive say in where this title ends up, Rob. Have they got enough, though, to be crowned champions for the first time in 21 years, do you think? They may do. <laughs> <laughs> How's that fence feeling? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really am sitting in the fence there, aren't I? But um, no, they've done fantastically well. You know, when you think of this, at the start of the season, they lost a couple of early games and, and they, the expectations were pretty low. Since then, they've gone unbeaten in 14. They really do look very, very good. But they are very reliant on Kyle Smith putting the ball in the net. And if Kyle doesn't perform or if he's injured, they may well struggle. Um, they've managed to get goals from other sources. People like Simon Arnold, young Simon Arnold, has been one of the best juniors to come through this season, has contributed a few. And Ewan Melrose has um, come back to form after his stint in the Bahamas. And um, or Bermuda, wherever it was, and he's made a big difference. The work rates there, the organisations there, the spirits there. Have they got that expertise, that experience to get over the uh, over the finish line? I'm not quite so sure, but they've made a fantastic effort already. So fair play to them; they've really turned it around. And there were quite a few changes in the off season, um, personnel wise. Chris, have you been surprised by how they've come together again? Uh, yes and no. Um, in terms of, uh, uh, Dick is obviously saying exactly the right things in terms of taking any pressure away from the, the players. Um, he's right. What what they've achieved to this point is fantastic, and I know deep down him and his players will want to try and win the league absolutely, a hundred percent. But what he's done is he's created that that vibe back around the club, uh, a way of playing, and and something that players want to buy into is really evident to see when you watch them play um, and I think he's done an, an amazing job up there and they are building something potentially quite special for the future um, is it too early this season well we talk about experience but you only get experience by going through these situations uh, and what's to stop them winning it absolutely um, they've got as good a chance as anybody else um, they've got some great players and I, I do like the way they try and play football yeah, what what stands out about their uh, yeah their, their play and, and particularly yeah some of the young players that are sort of making a name for themselves at pre level this season? Well, I I think it's the um, the way they try and play the right way in terms of they, everyone seems to be pretty comfortable in the football. Um, they can change styles. I've seen them do it in a game before where they've mixed up the way they're trying to play, um, and I, and I think you can see that everyone's brought into it. There's no one sort of within that squad who doesn't agree with what Digger's saying or or doesn't really want to be there, um, which you can see in some of the other teams. But they they just want to play football and they want to play it with a smile on their face and they want to do it with energy and enthusiasm. Uh, and it just shows on the football pitch. And yeah, clearly um, St Martins uh, took the title a couple of years ago. Rovers have won a couple as well in recent years. How big would it be for that club uh, at Sylvans to land a title this year, Rob? Yeah, absolutely huge and, and it would be really unexpected. Um, what Digger's managed to do this this season, which is 
most impressive is improve so many players. Um, you know, right across the board, young Oscar Ledbeater has been terrific at the back. Miles Hardill has, become, has, has stepped up a level. Jacob Fallais has become a much, much better player this year. Um, playing in the centre defence, he really has stepped up a level. Seb Smead, after a few injury problems early in the season, has really driven things through, things through midfield. But everyone in the team, Miles Hardill, James Ravenscroft, a signing from Rovers, has come on a bomb since he's gone on to St Peter's. He's been transfer, tra um, transformed into a wing-back. It's getting the best of him, best out of him. Um, right across the team, they've been playing really well, good football. And um, it would be a surprise that they do, did, did nick the title, but you can't rule it out. I think Rob makes an extremely good point there in terms of it's clear to see that every player has improved under Digger. Um, whatever that sort of magic dust he's got at the moment, fair play to him. He, he, and as a coach, that's all you really want to do. You, you want to be able to see an improvement on every single player, be it 2%, be it 20%, whatever you can get out of them. But that your role as a coach is to get the best uh, and the maximum out of every single player, every game they play. And of course, we mustn't forget the influence of Mike Garnett in that as well. Mike has been at St Peter's now for a season and a bit and um, seems to work very, very well with um, Digger. Um, coaches, you know, he's a good coach himself, um, been at the college for quite a few years. Um, and he must be um, playing a key role in that as well. Well, last but not least, let's talk about Rovers. Uh, top of the table, six points clear, the best goal difference of the three uh, by some margin too. Uh, here's their coach, Kevin Gillies. To be honest, I thought it was going to be, you know, a, a slow season, um, just sort of picking up again, building again um, from last season, which was a disappointment for the club. Um, you know, things didn't turn out quite the way we wanted it to. I mean, in the end, the season got null and void. But before that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't sort of our best season we had in the last five or so years. Mm. Um, so really, when I took over, I just wanted to get that squad back playing again and sort of enjoying their football. Mm. And I think that's why I took the job on mm. was to get that that core like group of players that we had sort of enjoying their football again. Uh, Rovers coach Kevin Gillies there. Uh, Chris, how much have you seen of Rovers this season and, and what stood out for you about the way they've been doing things? Um, obviously, start of the season, I've watched quite a few games. Um, they've got some key players back in the mix for them. Uh, they're, they're very fluid, I think, for me, is pretty much sums them up in terms of um, they have a format of playing, but they, they rely quite heavily on, on sort of that, that front three, four, whatever, however they play it in the end. Um, uh, and they need key personnel to perform on the day. And more often than not, they actually do. And um, people like Tom Strawbridge back, back in there in defence and just sort of a bit of solid, uh, solidity in there for them makes a, makes a big difference and allows almost a platform for those, um, I don't want to say skillful players because everyone's skillful, but in terms of the flair players to go and do their job up front and, and allow them to express themselves. And yeah, we've seen some pretty exciting stuff down there this season already and some exciting moments. Uh, yeah, Rob mentioned the, the, the win over Saints, um, uh, obviously before the lockdown, Finn Whitmore scoring what presumably will end up being goal of the season, I think. It was an absolute uh, cracker. Uh, and, you know, if, if we, they can produce moments like that, that that can turn a game in their favour, then presumably that's going to give them a very good chance. Well, that's one thing Rovers have got about them. They can produce a lot of 
unpredictable things. Most games, they come up, even when they're not playing particularly well, they manage to conjure up some good goals. You know, they've got Sam Hall driving them through from midfield. You know, he can turn a game on his on the head. Finn Whitmore can turn the game on his head and Carlos Canyon is masterminding it all the time. You know, he is, to my mind, the best forward in the in the Prio League, the cleverest forward and key to that key to that side. But they can get goals from elsewhere. Blair Howard gets his fair share as well. And they're, you know, they're pretty solid defensively. Um, and it looks like they might have Toby Olubarodi back to um, bolster things second half of the season. And they're in a good good shape considering they've had a lot of injuries this year, you know, and they've had to cope with that. And most of the time they've managed to bring in another f- few good youngsters from, you know, the Rovers development system who play uh, with a lot of heart. So they may not be quite ready for regular first team level, but they've got the club at their heart and they really give everything. And that sort of made the difference in some of those games. And of course, if they are able to do it, it would be their third title in the last four completed seasons. Is it fair to say, though, given the transition on the coaching side of things, that that you wouldn't have expected to see them in this position? Um, I'm not sure about that, but quite clearly, um, you look at the Rovers team today, they are a much better team than they were when they first won the Prio League. When I look back at that team, you think, hmm, how did they manage to win that? I'm not quite sure. Um, I think other teams managed to throw that one away to a certain extent. Now, Rovers have become a real force now, and now they've got Kanya there and Hall, etc. They they are a quality outfit. Do you know what I love is we're talking uh, about free clubs at the moment. Or you could actually bring in other clubs within that. I think uh, Manzor's underperformed quite a lot this season, if I'm honest. Um, Bell Graves have, have done a great job, but I think they can even step up an, another level. And North, obviously, um, are, weren't quite at their best this season, but you, you're talking a minimum of five, six clubs there that could all win a title. And there's nothing to stop other clubs as well progressing as they are. Um, I'd love to see it where it's so competitive that you just don't know season to season who who's going to win. Because all that does is improve the standard of uh, teams, of clubs and how they try and encourage players to come into their, their club, but also the individual. And obviously, almost selfishly, that's what I'm looking at in terms of for me to take them to the next level is, is those, those individuals that stand out. And uh, I'm almost grateful for the way this has happened in terms of I can see everyone on a level playing field. And, and yes, there's some players that may stand out at pre-O level that when you take them up to the high level, don't quite shine for whatever reason that may be. And there may be some at pre-O level that you think are oh, uh, uh, an average player or whatever, but you can, you can see something about them that you know when you take them to the next level that they can produce for you on the day. And we're going to talk a bit more... Um later on about your thinking as island manager at the moment and and the stuff that's going on behind the scenes <laughs> you mentioned some of the teams or some of the other teams there these are sides in north in bells in manza though rob that that can cause those three going for the title some real issues on their day and and, and could have a big say undoubtedly um probably belgrave more than anyone they've got a lot of lot of talent then they've got charlton govan of course who is their main man um if Charlton can get back to his full fitness, because I'm not sure he's been anywhere near his um, full fitness this season, um, if they can get him playing well, get Crusher McGrath playing well, um, they've got a new um, good recruit in the left back from York, um, 
whose name <laughs> escapes me briefly. <laughs> Apologies to him. But um, no, he's a, a decent recruiter, left back. They've got some, you know, a good squad there, um, Bells, but they're a little bit in and out, and um, but they're not far away. I think next season they could be very, very close. They probably just need one or two more players um, and they may well challenge with a league next season. North um, aren't far away either, but they, they've been a defender short most of the season and they've badly missed Scott, Big Scott Bogle, his, his thrust and strength in midfield, supporting the, the, um, the attackers. But as I say, they're not far away. Um, and ordinary, all they need is a, a striker and um, a couple of guys back. They've had a. They've lost a few players this year. They get a couple more back. They'll be. They won't be. They'll always be hard to beat. And Chris, obviously, you know, you'll have been watching possibly individuals more than the teams um, for your, for your own purposes. And Rob, um, for the two of you who have been the players that have really stood out for you this season, that you're looking forward to seeing how they influence things as the uh, seasons draw to a close. That's a big question for me. Um, <laughs> there's a few names under the hat that I want to keep to myself. If I'm honest, oh, but come on, uh, let's no, give well, us one or two. Well. You, you've got sort of the obvious fair players and, and the ones that you're talking about scoring goals. And I, I think, like you say, Carl Smith at Sylvans is uh, going to be heavily reliant for them. And I uh, uh, love watching Carlos play. Absolutely. I, th I think um, he, he sort of, uh, as Rob sort of alluded to before, he's almost on another page. Um, and as long as he can bring those other players up and around him... Um, um, you, you mentioned him before as well, Sam, uh, Sam and Rovers. Just the way he, I think he's one of the most majestic players with the football at his feet. Um, and then, well, there's so many. Um, biasly, I, I love watching a goalkeeper play as well. Um, and also, I'm I'm really intrigued in terms of the way I'm looking potentially to play in the next sort of season two seasons in terms of uh, formations and, and style of play is seeing sort of younger defenders coming through uh, and like, like Rob said it's great to see Jacob Fannies has actually I would say kicked on this season um, quite well and I think the stability of him knowing he's going to play game uh, after game week in week out has, has really done him in the world of good. Rob who's stood out for you who's in sort of contention for the Prio team of the season? I'd like to single out um, Nick Batty's at Sylvans. No relation, no relation uh, at all. He's just you could you've only got to look at him and me and realise they're not part. We're not part of close family. Um, Jack Batty's at Rovers. There again, no relation, but he could be my uh, close relation given to the size. Um, no, Nick, I think has been has really surprised me. Um, I didn't see too much of him in his Saints days, and I gather he. He may well have lost the battle with um, Jason Martin for that shirt and then moved to Sylvans. Um, this year, I think he has been outstanding. The other guys haven't done any, haven't done badly, Josh Addison or Jason. What's really impressed me about the way he dominates his area, there was the game at Saints early in the season where Saints were consistently um, lobbing balls deep into the air under his bar and in the six-yard box. And he dealt with that brilliantly. I thought he is the most impressive goalkeeper in the island in terms of dominating his six-yard box. Um, and his distribution has come on a lot. I think Chris has got a tough job here, actually. If he had a Marathi to, to pick, I think he, well, he has got another contender there for a, a, as, a, as, a, as a goalkeeping choice. Well, I'm quite pleased in our last squad he was involved 
we had all three, three goalkeepers together. Um, I've had several conversations with Nick over the last two, three seasons, if you like, and, and, I, and I think, in a, in a way, you're right, Rob. It, he is potentially the most natural sort of goalkeeper, if you like, out of the three. Um, the other two absolutely have completely different strengths. Um, uh, so it's it's really in a way of what do I feel is right for the team at that point and the way we want to play is it's almost an England scenario where you've got um, Pope and, and Pickford, etc. For me, Pickford wins because he's for for England how they want to play. Do I think he's the best goalkeeper out of the three? A personal opinion? No. I, I would pick Pope every day. Just because he's the type of goalkeeper I like watching, like play like seeing play and, and I like what he does in terms of he's a goalkeeper, you can rely on him, he makes the minimal mistakes. Um so yeah, you're you to be fair, Rob, you're completely correct. I've got a bit of a, a head scratcher in terms of those three goalkeepers, but what a great head scratcher to be in. Um, two guys down at Rovers I'd like to sort of single out for being having really great seasons, and they're probably players who may not ever win a Marathi cap, but I think James Grundy and Nick, um, Jack Batties have, have, have been really good this season. Jack, when he's been injured in recent weeks, um, Rovers badly missed him. He really makes them tick. Um, he does things simply, and as I say, he's... Um, good player to get the attack moving they've got a lot of skillful players but they need somebody to work off the, a base to work off and he does that really well and as James Grundy working alongside him he's been outstanding um, he's given a 9 out of 10 performance every week his work rate has been phenomenal as I say he's not the sort of player you would ever consider for Marathi side um, yet but he really has given um, the new coach Kevin Gillies Everything and um, you need those sort of performances, you know. From he's I consider a good club man and he's been very impressive. And one other player I'd like to sort of work, um, old guard from the old guard, who I'd like to single out is um, down at the track is Joby Bugays. I think Joby really has come back this year and shown himself to what a fine player he has been. Um, he's very much at the end of his career now, but um, he's played some good football this year. Well, it is shaping up to be a cracking end to the season. We certainly hope it lives up to the hype. The best place to follow it all is with the Guernsey Press, of course. We'll have comprehensive coverage in the paper. And for the first time, we'll be filming all of the big games too. So make sure you're following us on Twitter uh, at GSY Press Sport and on Instagram as well at GSY Press Sport. Well, Chris, before we wrap up, uh, you've given us uh, a bit of a window into to some of your thinking, um, you know, uh, a very small window. Yeah, a small window into your thinking about the, the Guernsey kind of rep side of things. Uh, let, let's talk a bit more about that, uh, if we can. I mean, first of all, obviously, you're, you're probably desperate for games. What, what kind of timeline are you working on at the moment as Island Manager? It's probably a very difficult question, but do you think there's any realistic chance of, for example, the Marathi being played this side of next year? Um, very good question. I know there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. Uh, it's not a straightforward answer. I'd love to sit here today and say, yeah, 100%, we're going to have a Marathi this year. Um, I would love that to happen. And I think most people would love that to happen in one format or another. Um, is that definitely going to happen? You know as much as me right at right this moment. Um, there's lots of conversations to be had. There's lots of things to consider. Um, but 
am I hungry to have another game? Absolutely. It's been a very frustrating period for me. Um, not least to even get the guys together and train together properly. Um, it's it's a tough task in terms of everyone thinks it's a, a nice easy job and you just pick a team and it happens. But for me, it, it, I, I have a desire to play in a certain way which I think would suit the players we have available at the moment and, and a way to win that one-off game, if you like, or the two games um, every other season. Um, and it's just getting time with those players together and sort of put my ethos across. Um, and I I enjoy the coaching a lot more than I thought I would do in, in the first instance. If I'm honest, I sort of came in as a, a manager with a group of coaches around me and I wanted to work it that way. But I've now realised to to get exactly what I want um, across to the players. I, I need to work with them on a, on a more regular basis on the, on the training ground. And I really enjoy that part, but I also enjoy the other side of it and the understanding that it's not a season. It, like, like we were talking before about how diggers created another 10 to 15% on most players. I don't have the time frame for that. I have half a dozen training sessions with the guys if I'm lucky. Um, so it, it's more a, a psychological advantage I'd like to try and give them or or an understanding how we want to play and, and scenarios. and. So it is, a, it is a difficult task. I'm desperate to get back into it. Uh, I'm desperate to be in and around the guys again. Football, football's been my life. Um, and not, not to be involved, or at least not to be able to watch a football match live, uh, has been tough, I won't lie. And it's, I've realised almost more in this second sort of phase of lockdown how much I miss that uh, and how much that means to me and how much that has been part of my life. And I want it to continue to be part of my life. Um, Chris, I'd like to ask one thing about Murati. I mean, um, I think there's a little chance of one happening this this side of summer, but there's talk of a, a potential game in September, early October, um, particularly from the Jersey end. How would you feel about that? Um, because that does pose extra problems with, by then, Guernsey FC and Jersey Bowls being up and running again. You're going to have probably even less time to work with players then. Yes, it's almost going to be a part of pick a squad, get them, get them out, put them in a kit and away you go. It's, and that, that's going to be difficult. It would be difficult. And I, uh, to have it at that time of the year is, is a strain on pretty much everyone in terms of local teams trying to get started in the league. Um, you, you wanted to, I would want to train with the guys at least once a week. So you're taking them away from their club sides uh, when the clubs are just desperate to start building again for the new season. GFC obviously will, will have their fixtures so when are we going to fit a game in um, Jersey Bulls are exactly the same scenario so um, and Marathi at that time of the season look I'm desperate to play a game and I'm desperate to go and beat Jersey um, but it's got to be at the right time and the right for everyone uh, and, and that's considering players clubs uh, local teams GFC Jersey Bulls so you wouldn't be keen on a game at that time I'm keen on a game in 10 minutes if I'm honest <laughs> I, I, I'm desperate for a game of football and desperate to be back involved and around the guys and and, and um, go and win something but what I think what I'm trying to say is there's lots lots to consider it's not just me saying let's go and play a game this time we, we have to be understanding of everyone's situations and scenarios and of course we've also seen the Island Games push back uh, a couple of years to 2023 um, 
clearly that was a big part of your plans as Ireland men's manager. Absolutely. Um, is that, I mean, does that give you that extra time to, to, to you know, as you said before, to kind of to shape the direction that, that you want to take things in? Or is it more of a frustration just simply because it's, you know, it's pushed those plans out the window almost? It's a frustration, but what it does mean is almost a different way of thinking in terms of there's going to be a new group of players coming through at that point, let's be honest. If it happened uh, this year, the squad would look very different to what it's going to look in two years' time. So my my thinking, my plans are slightly different from Marathi to the Island Games. And it, it's now a scenario of, look, this year's great in terms of seeing younger players coming through and uh, trying to consider the way we should be playing. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer of playing a way in a formation uh, or a style of football that suits the players we have available at a time rather than to shoehorn players into a formation that I think works. Let, let's, let's work with the players we've got and to their best abilities and, and, and work our way around those players rather than putting someone in a position because that's the style I'd like to play. But actually, we don't have those types of players. I mean, all things considered, uh, how do you feel Guernsey football is progressing as a whole? Are we moving in the right direction? Um, absolutely. Um, there's, we're sort of starting to see the fruits of the labours that um, the guys, Tony, Steve Sharman, Fowl, and all the local coaches, because I know how tough that is for them to balance sort of work, family and football life. And so hats off to every single coach and manager out there for the, the amazing jobs they do. And it's... It's not just what they do on the pitch, it's the administration. But in, in terms of Guernsey football, yeah, we don't have to look any further, do we? We've got two extremely bright young stars in the England setup with Maya and Alex. And what's not to be proud of as a Guernseyman to, to see that happen? Um, and why can't that happen again in the future with lots more? Um, we, we have a knack of producing some incredible talent for such a small place. It's much a small island. And those who have the want and the desire to push on, that they now understand again, that they, it's tangible to them. They see, they see their peers going, uh, not just getting professional clear careers, but playing for England. What an incredible dream that is to try and follow. And there is talent over here. And if people really want it, that it's, the door's open for them and they, they now understand they can go and get it. Are there any aspects of, of the way the games run and the, uh, the way people approach things in the island that you'd like to see change or develop over the next few years to, to, to bolster what we've got? Good question. I, I think you see a, a sort of levels of, uh, I'll go back to it, almost professionalism again, are, are really creeping back into the local game um, in terms of the way the guys look after themselves, not just during training, but outside of training. Um, a good point of that was, um, Rob, when you mentioned Joby Bookes, I know how hard he's worked away from football to get him back into the best shape he can to try and extend his career. And, and it, it proves a point. Look how well he is playing. Uh, and uh, absolutely all credit to him. Um, but I think you find, I guess it's almost life now, a new generation, um, people are more interested about what they look like on social media and going to the gym more which is great, as long as they're doing the right things in the gym and not just sort of trying to look good within the front of a mirror or on the beach if they're, if they're focusing on football fitness. And um, if you have the drive, I go back to Maya, I remember watching her 
um, at weekends doing extra training by herself. Um, I, I always remember seeing her at the memorial field doing extra work. And it just proves a point that those who really make it, those who really put the time, the effort in, are selfish in a sense uh, and have to sacrifice a lot. If It's not easy. There's two, three hundred people in England that want your position quite comfortably. Uh, and so it's not just about your skill. Absolutely, you have to have a, a base level of skill and everything like that. Mentality comes in really heavily into the professional game. How did you feel about that early blow in your career when Garras got the shirt and the junior <laughs> coach signed? Well, I, I think hats off to Gareth because he's the one who's made me uh, more determined than ever to be a better footballer and kick him out of the team. Um, it's weird because I was never a goalkeeper really until a bit later on in my career. Um, I was always a midfielder, but that's like we're talking off air before. I was into swimming, and as soon as I stopped swimming, I stopped being able to run. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like being an individual within a team. That's what always sort of spurred me on. Um, and I liked we trained differently, and the, I, yeah, I like that mentality, and I like. I'd still train by myself now if I'm trying to do fitness. I find it really difficult to train with other people because I like the mental test yeah. of like pushing myself. And in goal can be an extremely lonely place. But um, I would say 50, 60, even 70% of it is up in your head. And as you said, we're going to see you um, down at the grounds a lot over the, the coming uh, few weeks and months. Away from that, though, you were saying you're, you're taking on a couple of big physical challenges this year as well. Yeah, I'm not going to mention them just in case I fail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, look, I, I didn't quite realise. Uh, I knew I'd have to have something to make me stop playing. And I sort of almost joked that it'd have to be a decent injury. I, I didn't realise how not just physically, but mentally and emotionally, it took out of me by breaking my leg, uh, sort of at the end of my career. If that was at the start of my career, absolutely, get over it, you play. I didn't realise how much of a void I had in me, and I've, I've found it really tough over the last few years to, to find something to drive me on again, and I know that one exercise really helps me, um, and, and setting myself goals really does. So. I'm really grateful my, my working life is going really, really well and sort of immersing myself in that as well. But I have to set myself targets mentally and physically to keep pushing myself. And that's where I feel the best, most comfortable. And I, I understand the last few years in terms of my mental, physical state it hasn't been 100% because I, I was sort of lost in a way because it's such a big part of my life as pretty much all of my life, the way I've, I've lived up to that point, it's been football and it, it took a lot away from me. And, and now I realise how much I miss, missed it and still miss it. But that's why I'm so keen to get back involved with the guys again. And I, I can't wait to be watching football. Fantastic. Well, we'll uh, catch up with you again soon. Thanks so much for coming in, uh, Chris. That's all for now for this first Guernsey Press football podcast. We'll be back with more local football chat next Monday. We'll also be back with the Guernsey Press sport podcast on Thursday. So keep an ear out for that. Guernsey Raiders co-chair Andrea Harris is our guest uh, this week. As ever, please follow or subscribe to the shows wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review them on there too. That's the best way to support what we're doing. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.